Welcome, everyone, to a Holy Mess podcast with me, Father Paul, who is his holy mess. This is a podcast to encourage, entertain, and give hope to those of us who are striving to find holiness in a very messy world. It's also a podcast for those of us who identify as a holy mess, like me, obviously, his holy mess. Are we not at all in some way, because of our weakfulness and our sinfulness, a holy mess? Yet the good news is that God, who is supremely pristine and pure, entered the depths of our mess and the mess of this world and made it holy. And he doesn't just clean up the mess in our lives, but he redeems it, uses it, and turns our mess into a beautiful message of hope. So tune in, bring your mess with you, and join me for a clean but very messy podcast. One, two, three. All right, welcome back to a uh, a very different type of episode of a holy mess with his holy mess. You see what I'm doing here? A holy mess with his his holy mess, Father Paul. Uh, I'm here with my very good friends, Tony and Cheryl. Tony and Cheryl Porter, recently married. Oh, how was the priest who did your wedding? Gabagool. Oh, excellent. Gabagool. That's like, he's like Groot from uh, the Avengers. Uh, for all he can say is, I am Groot. Gabagool, this guy. Gabagool. All right. So listen, uh, we're celebrating still the one-year anniversary of this podcast. And I told you that we're going to do a special episode called Grilling His Holy Mess. So my friend Tony and Cheryl over here, uh, and all your emails have been sent to them. They got questions from other people i don't know what questions are coming at them i did a little peek a little peek but i didn't really look at the questions i just want to see how many emails were coming in um but here we are so and we're gonna be real you know what i mean this is a messy episode yeah we're gonna be respectful whatever but you know the i don't know what questions are coming so we'll see how it goes and uh here we are at the porter's house and uh we're gonna grill me priest on a hot seat so the first question is is this the first time that you've ever done an episode of His Holy Mess podcast in somebody's basement? In an Italian basement. Not uh, just in a basement, but an Italian basement. An Italian basement. Uh, what defines an Italian basement? You know, you got a kitchen back there. It's probably not completely legal. <laughs> uh, I. This is the first time I've, I've done an episode in an Italian basement in somebody's basement. Not the first time I did an episode in somebody's house, okay. but definitely the first time. But this is a first. This is the first time that I'm ever doing a video podcast remote in somebody's house. The other ones were just audio. This one's also video. So what are you going to do? Absolutely. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, Father Paul, you're from where are you from again? Remind everybody. Oh, uh, this town, Garfield, New Jersey. Garfield. Right so that's where in Garfield. This yeah, is our in Garfield. Don't tell me your actual address. So there's a sign in Why Garfield. So let me tell you something. There's a sign in Garfield. Why isn't your name on it yet? 
I think about that. My pride and my ego Honey, thinks about who's, that. Honey, whose name is on the sign? So there's a sign in Garfield that says, Welcome to Garfield, the city of champions. It lists Louis Castillo. It lists Wayne. It should Schubert. really say... And it doesn't say, Welcome home, Father wh- Paul Why Hulis. does it say his holy mess with his holy mess, Father Paul Hulis? I, I, have, I have posted about this before, you know, because the Garfield is a very, very... It's a very sporty town. Hmm. You know what I mean? You get in the... Sporty. There's also a NASCAR guy, yes. Miles Austin, who's a good friend of my brother's. Uh, uh, Louis Castillo, who I played football with, no joke, in the, on the Garfield Boilermakers. Uh, that must have been like yeah, 30 years ago. But yeah, when I became a priest, nothing. No home of Father Paul. Not Nobody on. cares. Sports, a sport town, but, uh, you know, not a very religious. Well, it is religious at the, at the churches, you know what I mean? But City Hall, I don't know. I think we should talk to my, Mayor Regalosi about it. Oh, he, you know, he's a good friend. He's yeah. a friend of the family. I, I think, think he might put you that. on the sign. Oh, all right. If Great. we asked him about it. Maybe, maybe if this goes viral. Maybe. Maybe if I actually get famous. I'm sure if I actually ever became famous, he then we're on it. But I have a feeling that you'll get famous before I get famous. <laughs> he put you on the sign. But speaking of Garfield, right? Yeah, speaking, speaking of, of Bergen County, where is your favorite pizza in Garfield, New Jersey? I'm going to have to go with Santoni's. You know, I these are it. these are questions that were asked from His Holy Mess exclusively. So we're rattling off some of the questions. What do you okay? mean? I, who asked so, so So somebody randomly chose to stay anonymous. They wanted to, literally wanted to know what's my favorite pizza. They wanted yes. to know Garfield? W- mm-hmm. how many pies you put down. They want to know how many, what do you like, the grandma slice or the marinara? What do you like, the, the cheese? And I'm a grandma guy. You're a grandma guy. Okay. Yeah, definitely, grandma. Well, yeah. and I say Santoni's because, not to give them extra business, I have no affiliation with Santoni's, although yeah. I did work there a long time ago. It's just that that's where we always went when I was a kid. I love uh, many other places in Garfield. I love Pizzeria, Mandar. What is it? Ma- Ma- Pizza Mania. Pizza Mania. I love that. You know what I mean? We got Pazzaluna. There's a lot of great pe- places in, in Garfield. I like Pazzaluna. Yeah, yeah. Pazzaluna. We go there all slice. the time. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I got to be careful because my parents are in town. My dad works for the Board of Ed. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's a lot of respect. So my, my, my cousin is the chief of police, so. God bless. That's right. We yeah. met him. So Tom Goff asks, um, here's an interesting question. Tom so what? G-O-F-F-E. Tom oh, okay. Goffy. He asks. I thought we weren't doing names. I thought, we were, giving I thought we were doing names. I think this one's okay. Well, this right, one's this okay. Time. He chose not to. Re- he chose to, to. He was okay with me disclosing his information. All right, good. Because he didn't say anonymous. Where's he from? Do you have any idea? <sighs> well, we actually, to, to you know, just not, before we get into these questions from the email we actually got questions from all over the country and internationally even how how is that possible email yeah, it gmail was, it was mostly Garfield. let's not lie <laughs> no but there was questions because Garfield. the I'm podcast when i looked the other day there wasn't that many you're not Gabagool. supposed to be looking but Gabagool. i so i noticed somebody was deleting the bed so, bath and beyond all right honey can i please ask a question Did you thank you speak a little bit i love you honey <laughs> you know i love you so tom goff asks how do i know i am doing it right as a catholic how, how, okay, Am I given enough time helping others to my parish, sacrificing? What is being a good Catholic? And I don't mean to put you on the spot. So That's take literally the point of this. So Absolutely. You know, I thought we were going to grill fish tonight, and you told me I'm going to be on your podcast. Now I'm grilling this holy mess. Yeah. We <laughs> were going to go grill outside, and now I'm in the... F- Living room over here. What's the matter with in you? The what living room? I'm in the uh, illegal living room in yeah. the basement. What's the matter? All right, Tom. Uh, man, how do you know you're doing it right? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, this is completely subjective. Okay, uh, but it's not so much about doing. It's first and, and foremost. Should I look at this or you? Us. Look right. at me, honey. First. first <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man. Uh, 
I think for honestly, I think a lot of people they want to know: Am I doing it right? Am I am I am I checking off the list? Am I being a good Catholic? Yes, what we do, our works, absolutely. You know, faith without works is dead. But first and foremost, it's about it's about what we're receiving. It's about being open. First and foremost, you want to be a good Catholic. You want to be a disciple. I just burped up, burped on the air. You wanna. This is a holy mess. You want to be completely open. You he's surrender drinking your life. cream soda. First and foremost. Open your heart to the Lord. Be open. You cannot give what you don't receive. Okay? John Paul II said that three things are indispensable for being uh, a devout Catholic, being a devout Christian. One is prayer. We must have an intimate prayer life. I'm not talking about just saying our Father, which is great, just saying a Hail Mary, which is great. I'm talking about having a personal one-on-one. A heart-to-heart. Like sometimes we might open up to each other, have a heart-to-heart. I'm sure you have a heart-to-heart with each other. I hope you do. You know what I mean? That's what being in love is, falling in in love. It's, It's like that. You know, I go to a chapel. I sit in front of Christ. I tell him what's going on with me. He tells me what he thinks. You know what I mean? So that's... I don't know. I'm not Italian. I don't know why I'm talking with this accent. But whenever I'm around you, I start doing this. And I start getting a little Garfield. So, Tom... First of all, all right, so intimate prayer life, number one. Number two, the sacrament of reconciliation. We need the sacrament of confession. A lot of people, they go to church. A lot of people pray the rosary. A lot of people give money, but they don't go to confession because they're scared. But it's a cleansing of the soul. God wants to free you. He wants to cleanse you. So two, indispensable, the sacrament of confession. And then third, anyone want to try to guess the third? So let me ask you a question. What's the most important thing for Catholics to do? Communion. Absolutely. Go to communion. She's all nervous. She answered it right away. All right. I didn't know this was going to be a monologue. So I don't this care. Is a, that's, this, a, that's a question. I this bet. is my show. This is a... This three is things. A, Prayer life, sacrament of confession, and the Eucharist. You do those three, let the Holy Spirit guide you, Tom. I don't listen. Right? So this is a follow-up. Actually, Tom also asked a confession-related question. Okay. All right. All right. So how much is enough at confession, and what is too much... Like in other words, you know, do you have to show your whole hand? That's a good. That's a very yeah. good way to he put says, it. That's a good way to put it. None so, of us know how others do it, so how do we know if we're doing it right? Unless the priest tells us, we don't really know how to do it better without going overboard. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't, what would be overboard? I I think yes. You show your whole hand. It's between it's between you and Christ. Yes, there is a priest there, but he's ordained in the person of Christ. It's not about the person of the priest. It's Christ who's forgiven the sins. He already knows. So you want to bear everything. You want to cleanse your soul. You want the Lord to give you, a, like when you yeah, go to the shower, yeah, right? But let, let, me me ask, you let, me ask you, let me ask you an honest you go, question. When you go to a shower, do you hide any of the members yeah. of your body to did be you ever Did you ever leave the confession booth and say, oh my God, did that guy just really tell me that? Well, I, that's also a good question, but like, that's not answering I, the previous question. And, so I'll answer that. After and this. obviously, you know, if, if if a crime is committed, you're required to report it. No, not at all. No, you're we, not. Okay. Never. We can never. That's a very. Those are two very good questions. Yeah. All right. So, but let me just answer Tom's, and then I'll answer those two. Hmm. All right. So Tom, I I don't know if there's if there's such thing as being too scrupulous, like just like, hmm. you know what I mean. But I don't think there's too much of you. You have to bear everything. You don't hold anything back intentionally. If you honestly forget something, then that's fine. So if somebody, but you come, you do a good examination of conscience. You know what I mean. You look at the Ten Commandments, or you could Google Catholic examination of conscience. You close your eyes. You ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your sins, and you confess 
what's on your heart. You confess what you need to so be forgiven plain for. Devil's, so God forbid, if go someone, for, if someone said in a confession booth and said, oh my God, I, I committed this crime last night. It was terrible. You know, uh, I'm not going to murder. So, so like you're not required that to again. murder. Okay. So you're not required to report that not only as a am Catholic I, priest? Not only am I not required to report it, I am bound under a sacred seal that I can never say a word about anything. The sacrament of confession is the most confidential place in, in plan, on planet Earth because even a, a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they have to report certain dangers. Absolutely, yeah. We can never, ever say anything in confession, ever. Is it optional? No, it's not optional. You don't even have an option to. Even if you wanted to, you can't. Not allowed to. I would lose my priesthood. We'd be done. Did you know that? I wonder if a lot of listeners actually know that. Well, I think it's good that you that you didn't know that. I think that's yeah. that's yeah. authentic. You know what I, I mean? I think that's a good question. But yeah, I did know that. Um, it's kind of like priest HIPAA. Yeah. You know, they I went to Catholic school things. my whole life, and I didn't know that. Yeah. We. I mean, there was even a case. I don't know somewhere down south about something about there was like some murder trial. They tried to get the priest on the stand, but he was protected by the. Uh, yeah, he was. He can't. You. You can't ever. It's not that you want to hide secrets like that or anything like that. Right. You know what I mean? But you know, confession is more than just one person telling another person. It's somebody bearing their soul to Christ for forgiveness. And there's not one sin that Christ won't forgive. Not one. As horrendous as it is. Now I could tell the person, like, listen, man, like you, you got to turn yourself in. I can, but I can't force him, and I can't tell anybody else. I'm not going to say, "Oh, who cares?" You know what I'm saying? But can you go to say a friend or a family member of his that's a part of the parish no, and no, say, can't, "Can't say a word." You can't do that. So the sacrament of confession is truly um, the parishioner, the Catholic person speaking to Christ. It is through the priest and one hundred percent. And that's anything at all. Cannot no information could be divulged. Nothing. No, it could not be the slightest. A, a, an affair or a sexual anything. Anything along those lines was you know, having to do with children. Nothing. Every time you go like this, it, uh, your voice goes away. <laughs> so uh, this is no here. No, nothing. Never. We can never say anything. And it's not about hiding somebody's dirt. It's about their bearing their soul to Christ to be for, to be forgiven. So th there's nothing, it's not that we like to hear it, it's not that we, you know what I mean? But it's, we have to protect the sacred seal. This is something that is divine that's going on between them and God. God instituted it this way, you know? So, you know, people have to be able to be completely open to truly confess their sins, you know? Make sure that doesn't fall, it's uh, on the thing. So, what do you got after that? Confession. So that was a good. What that other questions? You know, I was I was really hoping that we would have been on the podcast like maybe episode three since we're good friends. But you know, we had to wait to episode like forty five. Yeah, probably what? like sixty something. Oh, maybe we're 50, in the sixties now. Fifty or something. It's been like a year. That. It should have been episode three. Okay. But all I right. I, I mean, appreciate. You didn't even want to do this one, but <laughs> all right, yeah, sure. He's a little nervous. I love I love grilling my holy mess. Uh, okay, so next. is that all right for Tom? I hope Tom. I hope that's okay. I'm sorry, Big Tone yeah, cut it, you off. Yeah, if you want to go into the, uh, I just want to remind you, this is called grilling his holy mess, not roasting his holy mess. Yeah, thank you. No, we're thank you, Cheryl. It's it's he important. thinks it it's is important to press buttons. You had to hear the things he wanted to ask me. <laughs> all right, so Cheryl, uh, why don't you go ahead and read the next question off? Okay, so I think those were all great questions regarding confession. Um, I think that sticking with the sacraments, with the with this topic of the sacraments, I think another question that is a common thing on people's minds is the sacrament of um, confirmation. Okay. 
And is it true that you need to receive confirmation before you can be married in the Catholic Church? That's a very good question. All right. And I'm not going to say that I know 100% like, you know, the catechism answer. But my understanding, having been a priest for 12 years, at one point in the history, maybe 50, 60 years ago, it was. But I think, I'm not sure if it was the new code of canon law in 1983 that changed it. But technically speaking, you can get married without the sacrament of confirmation. You shouldn't, but technically you can. Yes, okay. you can. All okay. Right? Now, when people come to me, they tell me that stuff. I have to be honest with them, but I tell them why you should receive the sacrament of confession. It's not about going through the hoops. It's not about just because I want to get married. It's because you are receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why the church changed its stance on that, I have absolutely no idea. I'm not a canon lawyer. I don't know. But okay. technically, you can, but you shouldn't. If that makes sense. Right? Okay. So you should be confirmed. And again, I feel like every Catholic should, should be confirmed correct. because those are the, 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 the sacraments of initiation is baptism, the Eucharist and confirmation. Correct. You know what I mean? So you ever want to be a sponsor, you ever want to be a godparent, you can never do those things without being confirmed. In my mind, the way that I understand uh, confirmation is that when you're a child, most times, you know, when you're growing up in a Catholic family, your parents baptize you when you're an infant. Correct. And then when you come of age, when you're 13 or, or whatever the age might be in your parish is when you choose to be confirmed and you're choosing to accept the Holy Spirit. When you were a baby, you didn't choose that. Your parents chose it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upon so, their faith. Right. So for me, the confirmation is very special because it's you're almost an adult and you're well, choosing. Yeah, it is kind of like being an adult in the faith. I mean, technically, technically speaking, uh, you know, babies could be confirmed. It's something that they used to do. You know, confirmation used to happen all at once or whatever. Like even in the Eastern Rite, in the Greek churches, a baby is baptized and confirmed and received the Eucharist as an infant. Like my, wow. my, grand, my, my grandfather, my dad was baptized Greek Orthodox. Everything he got as an infant. Now, however, I think there is something to say that, yes, you get a little bit older and you are choosing, you are accepting and you are saying yes. So yeah, there is, it's not better be, than baptism because of that, because, you know, baptism, are, you're being baptized upon your parents' faith. Your parents choose all these other things for you. I don't even know if this is a question, but I'm going to ask, why do we in the Catholic Church, in the, the Roman Catholic Church, why do we choose baptism for the baby? Why don't we let them choose it when they get older? Because there's a Baptist church, they don't get baptized until they're maybe teenagers, all right? But the thing is, Parents choose all type of things for the kids, where they're going to school, what they're going to eat, what sports they're going to play. The kids don't have a say in that when they're younger. Why not? So they can't have a say in choosing eternal life for this kid for baptism. And plus, there's evidence in the, the scriptures, in the New Testament, in the Acts of the Apostles, where entire households with children are baptized. So that's where we get the, the baptism of, of infants. It's you're literally there's no greater gift that you're choosing for your child than to be baptized into Christ. So. That's why we do that. It's an amazing thing. But confirmation is special because of that, too, that you get to say yes. Yeah. Huh. Okay. You very know, good. I think you brought up briefly the Greek Orthodox Church. Um, and, you know, there's there's many other Christian churches that, you know, different churches uh, besides Roman Catholic Church. And sometimes in those other churches, the priests are able to marry. Do you think that's something that would ever happen in the Roman Catholic Church? 
Yeah, so, you know, we took Father Paul to a, a Greek Orthodox festival a couple of years ago by good friends of ours that run it. And, you know, upon meeting the, the priest there, one of the questions his holy mess asked the priest was, do you remember his name? What was the priest's name? Do you remember? Was it, was it George? It might have been. I don't know. So he asked a question. He goes, you know, I got I to gotta be honest with you. You know, what's it like uh, to be a priest and to be married? I asked him that. You yeah, asked yeah. George, if that's his name, uh-huh. George, you asked his priest a question. So do you want to kind of respond to that? I, <laughs> there's no question there. <laughs> so like what was... All like, right. Yeah, so yeah. So that was what? Two years ago. It was right after kind of we first met. Absolutely. At least when I met you. Absolutely. We went to the Greek... Yeah. And I, I, I did. I, I vaguely remember it. I wanted to know what's it like. Like you are a priest, right? And I, with the Greek Orthodox, so it's a little bit different. There's a whole history to it or whatever. Uh, they're not in union with Rome and stuff like that, but whatever. So... And I honestly don't remember what his answer was, but I was legitimate because, you know, it's funny that you're asking me this now because obviously the hardest thing for me, well, not obviously, but the hardest thing for me as it is for many guys that are discerning becoming a priest is the number one thing for me is like, well, like, why can't you get married? Like, why can't I get married? So the whole celibacy thing, why is there celibacy, right? And I had a lot of questions with that. I, I, I remember about two weeks before I went into the seminary, I was a, at a Christian music festival um, I was making announcements at the end of this, at the end of mass, there was thousand people there and I wanted to let everybody know that I was going into the seminary and I wanted them to pray for me. But what came out of my mouth was, cause I'm a little bit of a, what do you call him? A gabagool. Um, yeah. So I was 23 and years gabagool. old, 23 years old. I'm about to go into the college seminary and I say, Hey, do me a favor. I'm going into the seminary. I'm going to discern becoming a priest, but, but please pray for me because I love women. I love women. Everybody started laughing, yeah. you know. So yeah, that's a that's a very hard thing. I ended up learning this thing called celibacy for the kingdom, right? Now it's not just the teaching of John Paul II's theology of the body. Celibacy is in the Bible. Jesus talks about it. Saint Paul talks about it. Okay, but when I learned, when I truly learned, like why priests are celibate or the meaning and purpose of celibacy, of celibacy for the kingdom. So in Matthew chapter nineteen, right, these priests are asking, they're asking Jesus all these questions about marriage, this and that, yada yada yada. And some say something like, "Oh, well, then it's better not to marry." And he says, "Some men are made eunuchs." right? Literally castrated by birth, meaning a birth defect. Some men are made eunuchs by other men, castration. But then he says, some men make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And he wasn't talking about a physical mutilation of one's genitals. He was saying that some men bypass earthly marriage, bypass the sexual you know, intercourse within marriage, to serve the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because, as we've talked about in marriage prep a million times, marriage and sex life in this world, marriage and sex, whatever, is meant to be a sign and symbol of a deeper union, a bigger marriage, the eternal wedding banquet. So I say all that to say this, right? I have always been a staunch defender of celibacy for the priesthood. If people said to me, Oh, I think it's ridiculous. Priests should be able to marry. Blah, blah. And people have all types of crazy reasons of why they think priests should be married, which we can get into that later, right? It's interesting, though, right now, because where I am at 12 years now in my priesthood, 
I have some more questions about it. Because it's not only the Greek Orthodox or the Orthodox priests that are able to get married before they become priests, but even now there are some Roman Catholic priests, very few, Where? that are married. Where are they? All right, but here's the thing. So let's say somebody is like a, a priest in another, like an Anglican church, Episcopalian, or... Uh, not in, this, not in the United Lutheran. States. Yes, in listen United to me. States. Okay. Let him it's them. very few. But let's say somebody was an Anglican and he converts, oh, or a Lutheran priest and he converts. Huh. Some of them are ordained Catholic priests and they're married. So there is a part of me, we're being honest and real. I still believe in, in, in the value of celibacy, but a part of me is like, you know, me and many, 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 many people had to give up like, like a huge sacrifice to, in order to become a priest and yet... It is allowed. It is allowed because celibacy is not a, it's not a doctrine. It's a discipline. So I'm at this place right now where like, I, I respect it. I, 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 because look, being married is not going to solve my problems. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not, it's not going to fix the priesthood because, you know, people are like, oh, if priests were able to get married, there'd be like, you know, a hundred thousand more priests. Oh, really? Episcopal priests are able to get married. How come their church isn't thriving? Lutheran priests that are allowed to get married, how come their church isn't thriving? So it's not going to solve the priesthood. Getting married is, you know, you guys have been married, what, a couple months. Is it paradise? Is marriage paradise? It's real life. It's real life. So am I at a point now? Like, do I think the Pope will change it tomorrow? I don't think so. I don't, if he didn't change it for the Amazon where they need priests and they don't have anybody, I don't see him changing it now. But even if he changed it, he's not going to change it for guys that are already ordained. Correct. So it's tough. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm still a man. I don't lose my masculinity. I'm not talking about lust. I'm talking about a desire for union and communion. So that's where I got to bring my desire for love to love itself, to God. So, my desire for beauty to, to beauty for God. But... Is it a little unfair that some priests are married and have kids? I think so. So if I do, so that's a little bit if, of a workaround. If the church, you know what I'm saying? So let's just say if the church changed it, big Tony. Yeah, I don't if even. the church changed it, okay, good. <laughs> Oof. Would 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 his holy mess want to get married? Wow. <sighs> that's a good question. As man. a male, as a male, obviously you have. A basic. So you're telling me that if Wait, Pope let, Francis, let, let me, go ahead. As a male, obviously you have a a basic need, and you've given that need up. What well, need? Like a, like a desire Se for love? Sexual. Well, more more sexual related, right? So you know you have you know males do they have a, a inherently a testosterone you know a, more of a sex drive. So okay. you, you've obviously given made a huge sacrifice. I haven't given up my masculinity. Okay. But what does I that mean, mean to you? So what it means is that like I have desire just like any other man. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? But marriage doesn't give license to for a man to indulge in his lust. There's a difference between pure sexual expression and lust. Okay? So lust is a using, is a disorder, right? So my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to sin like anybody. Anybody has, has lust, but what do we do with it? You know what I'm saying? So just because we have a need, I think what you're talking about, like the world will say, well, you know, you, you know, we're men. There needs to be a sexual release. 
that I think is something a lie that we bought by the world. You know what I'm saying? As an excuse to express our lust. I got to go here. I got to take this here in my heart and I got to go, bam. I got to go to the Lord because he can untwist what, what sin twists. So he could take a lustful desire and make it a desire for true love. Lust doesn't last if you don't give into it. You know what I'm saying? It's a temptation. Now, you asked a very good question, though. If Pope Francis said to do- tomorrow that ordained priests can get married, I mean, I-, I would have to seriously pray about it. I'd have to talk to my spiritual director about it. You know, uh, I don't know, man. I'm more open to it than I was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. I would have said no. I would, if you asked me this question two years ago, I would have said absolutely not. No way. I believe in celibacy for the kingdom, and I still do. Ten, yeah. But you're telling me if the Pope said tomorrow, you, Father Paul Hulis, and you, all you other priests, you could get married? I, I, I might entertain the idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I might entertain. It's not like I know like who I'm going to be going out with a date on you know, tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, oof. You weren't ready for that, were you? So, um, but so ten years ago, or even twenty years ago, let's go, let's go back a little further. Gay marriage. What was the what was the church's outlook on gay marriage? The church versus what it is today. So twenty years ago versus today. Do you think something similar? So you can answer that in a second. Do you think something similar will happen twenty years into the future with regard to how if they change, whether or not priests are going to be able to get married or not in the Catholic Church? I think you're asking very good questions. I don't necessarily know what the gay marriage has to do with like the regular marriage well it's, it's an evolution right in the catholic well no it's not because the church has not changed it's no matter what people want to so say tell, today, so tell me what it was 20 years ago the church has not changed it its now. teachings on homosexuality from 20 okay. years ago to today people want to think it is okay and there are bishops yeah. and even some cardinals out there that are trying in some way to get a change, it's never going to happen, bro. Because the church cannot ever unfaith the morals. The church is not going to approve of homosexual union. It's just not going to happen. It's not a marriage. They never did. Yeah. They never did. And it's yeah. this is not to condemn the homosexual in any which way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's not, we have to talk about what the nature of marriage is. Just like the church is never going to say, you know what? It's totally okay for heterosexuals to have an open marriage. The church will never say that because it goes against the nature of marriage. It's not just because the person is gay. Oh, we don't <laughs> like gays. It goes against what the nature of marriage is. Marriage is a certain thing. It's not what we define it. It's what God defines it between a man and a woman. We have to understand the theology of the body. So I think you know uh, uh, there can be an evolution in terms of the celibacy question because that doesn't that doesn't go against marriage. There were married priests. St. Peter, the first pope, was married. You know what I'm saying? He was. Now, do I think that if I was... See, I think a lot of people want to see a married priesthood, but they don't really want... They don't really know what it is. Because let me ask you right now, right? What do I get paid? I get paid peanuts. Let's say I get married, right? I'm going to have kids. Who's going to pay my salary? Where are my wife and kids going to live? In the rectory? With the other priests? Well, what are, what do they do? So Where's my, my kids going to go to school? So my Who's going to pay for my children? My question is, like, Father George, who we met in Wyckoff, Greek yeah. Orthodox priest, where does he live? That's who, a, su- I, I, who supports him? Well, here's the thing. Those communities are much smaller than most Catholic parishes. So 
That guy's responsibility, his main responsibility, that priest, is to his wife and his kids. I, my, if I'm married, if I get married tomorrow as a Catholic priest, I got to be there. I got to be a good husband and I got to be a good father. Right now I have the freedom. I have the freedom to go here and to go there and to go there to serve God's people. That's what St. Paul talks about, that it's better not to marry so that you are not concerned with the things of the world. He doesn't mean that marriage is a thing of like the world. He means I have the freedom right now. I could look, look, here I am. Right. What is it? Almost 10 o'clock. I mean, now I'm not saying that, you know, married men don't go out or whatever, but I probably would want it. It's a Sunday. It's a day of the family. I'd be with my wife and my kids right now. But I'm a Catholic priest, free to do anything. So there is value in celibacy. You want me to get married? You know, I'm not going to be as free to do what I can. It's so. true. It's true. And I think you've mentioned in the past <laughs> that um, priests are kind of married to the church. Correct? We are 100%. We are. We are married. We are ordained in persona Christi bridegroom. The church is the bride of Christ. We are the bridegroom, ordained in persona Christi bridegroom. So I am married, but in a mystical sense, in a spiritual sense. Earthly marriage is meant to be a sign that points to the heavenly marriage. So the only reason that I'm starting just very recent, I'd be like, to entertain it is the fact that you're hearing about so many other cases now where there are some married priests. And it's just like, I don't really, I don't know how to wrap my mind, my, my, my mind around it. But I will tell you this. I was in uh, St. Joe's Hospital in Patterson. And I was a seminary. No, I was a priest. And I ran into another guy with a collar. And I said, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He was also Greek Orthodox. I said, hey, let me tell you something. He cuts me off. He says, I know what you're going to ask me. He says, I just want to let you know you guys do it right. I said, what do you mean? He goes, celibacy. You guys do it right. No Trust kidding. me. I really? said, he said it just like that. He said, because he said, I just can't be as available to my congregation. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm. It's true. Because if you have children. My kid's got a little, be, little league game, right? You got to be He's there. in the World Series, right? Yeah. Man, I get called. Oh, so-and-so is dying. I, I understand there are people that are doctors, surgeons. I get it. They got to, you know, they have to make sacrifices. They're not always there for their family. I get it. But primarily, the responsibility goes to my family. So. Right. I don't know. And it was something that I discerned. I, I let go of, I don't want to use that word, of an amazing woman to go into the seminary. An amazing, the girl of my dreams. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. And it was for a reason. Correct. It was for a reason. So. I wonder if she listened to this podcast. I highly doubt it. I, I high, <laughs> highly doubt it. <laughs> Haven't seen or talked to her since 2007. Long how, long are you, how long are you with her? It wasn't that long, man. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Okay. But yeah, it was maybe about six months, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So since we're on the topic this of... Juicy, it's getting juicy. So it may, not, yeah. it may have not have worked out anyway. Since <laughs> It may not have. Yeah. We, but let, let's, yeah. let's get back to the topic. I think she's married with kids. I mean, it Am doesn't I, matter. I, she, she I like her. roasting his holy mess. That's this all right. Is this fun. is good. This is this good is stuff. Good. I think people yeah. need to hear stuff like so this. Since right. we're on the topic of marriage in general, right? So we have a question. May I say I think you, the two of you are doing a very good job? Oh, thank you. All this right. is our first time doing anything like oh, this. Okay. For, first time forget about it, Father Paul. What do you mean? But we kind of do speak <laughs> to people for a living, yeah. so it's fine. Well, I don't want to give away your professions. I don't know, you know. It's fine. So um, 
so here's a question and this this uh listener of your podcast wishes to re- remain anonymous and anonymous. again this person does not live in new jersey by the way all right Ooh. just that so um forget about it my nephew is getting married my own. and this is yeah. this is like right. a, Would you? this no, is a go good ahead, question go ahead. <laughs> he's he's going through the question he goes what is this person uh, you know uh, well you know what they're listening to this it's a monologue okay just get to the question this is a great question my nephew is getting married and i have been told that he is getting married outside of the catholic church my very faith-filled mother has already stated that she will not be attending any of the wedding festivities since the couple has decided to get married outside of the church. She told them that she loves them, but she does not agree with the decision. She stated that she will not leave Jesus. Jesus comes before anyone else. She does not wish to attend because she feels like it will show support for the couple's decisions, and she totally disagrees with this. Um, The couple has also been living together for approximately about two years now. I myself am struggling to make the decision one way or the other. Um... In one way, I agree with my mother. Attending the wedding will show support for the couple's decision. But I feel that if I don't attend the wedding, I will only put more distance. You know, I'll put a strain on my family's relationship. This is such a good and important question, man. And it's a it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. And then she's asking, too, um, is this a sin for me to attend this wedding, basically? No. If you ask me, the answer is no. We're not grilling we're, Tony Porta. We're, we're not grilling asking, Father but, Paul but, Lewis. We're not, hold but, on, hold on. So Can in, I answer the question? Absolutely. So just I want to just say something. All right, go ahead. Hurry up. Okay. You know what? I want. I would like you to answer that first, and then I'll follow up because. Uh, is it connected? This is your podcast. Is it connected? It's well connected. All right. All right. No, like the question. Your yeah, question. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. All right. Remember to talk into these. Um, all right, man. This this cannot be answered in in twenty seconds. No. Okay. Um, some priests and people aren't Catholics are going to like what I say. Some are not going to like what I say. And I'm not even going to claim right now to to be one hundred percent right with the Catholic answer. I don't even know. Okay, technically speaking, my understanding, right? is that Catholics are not supposed to support a wedding that is taking place between a Catholic and someone or two Catholics outside of the church because according to the, they are not validly married in the church, okay? They are recognized by the state legally, but for a Catholic, a Catholic is bound by canonical form. So there must be the consent of the couple, the two witnesses, and the church's minister. So when they get married outside of the church, they have the consent of the couple, they have the two witnesses, but they do not have the church's minister, and they have not been formed by the church. There's no record. There's no nothing. It's not about going through a hoop. It's not about giving the church money. It's about a sacrament. So before I say anything specific about it, whether it's a sin or not, okay, this is a sensitive topic, all right, because I'm not going to single anybody out, but a lot of my family, a lot of my cousins who I love, who I have great relationships with, they are not married in the church. 
This has been a discussion. It's been something that's come came up, right? When my brother got married back in 2009, I think, or maybe 2010, my brother was not married in the church. I wasn't a priest yet. So this is a sensitive thing, all right? And there's a lot of different opinions. This must be de dealt with sensitively. But I will say this. It's interesting that when, it, when a couple has a baby that they want to get baptized, there's no question. They, they, don't, they don't question where to go, what to do with it. They don't say, hey, you know what? We're going to go baptize them by the ocean. We're going to go to a venue. They, oh, we got to go to the church to get baptized. You know what I mean? They, it's time for ver first reconciliation. Parents right away, no, uh, you know what? I got to sign them up. We got to go to the church for, for, for that sacrament. Holy Communion, First Communion. There's no question. They don't say, you know, you know what? We want to do Holy Communion down at this venue, down by Martha's Vineyard. We're going to go do the First Communion, you know, in uh, Hawaii. No, they go to the church for First Communion, right? And for all of them, for confirmation, you, where do you go? You go to the bishop. For holy, order, uh, for holy orders, where do you go? Someone's going to become a priest, they go to the church, all right? And lastly, for the anointing of the sick. They the call priest the priest. They call the priest. For some reason, I don't know what happened. I don't know where this started, but for, that is the only sacrament that people think we don't need the church for. If we need the church for every single other sacrament, then why we would not need it for the sacrament of marriage? So it's not. Yes, it is legal. It's a legal marriage, okay? But if you are a Catholic and you've been baptized into this community because marriage is not just personal, it's communal, it's ecclesial, right? So technically speaking, technically speaking, we should encourage the people, whether we go or not, I'm divided on the issue because I have not gone and I have gone. And when I didn't go, when I was a deacon and I was new in this and I was being told you can't go, and I didn't go, I deeply, deeply regretted it, and I cried. Maybe that, I don't know what was wrong with me, but guess what? I have a great relationship with my cousins, my family. If I just said, you know what, all of you, I'm not going, I'm not going, I can't go into your house because technically you're not like married or whatever, how is that ever gonna open up any conversation about God? I would close the door. How would I be able in any which way to baptize their children? Is it their children's fault that their parents didn't get married in the church? You know what I'm saying? So if I just said, you know what? No, sorry, can't. I, I, I can't do it because, you know, you're living in sin or whatever. My, they love me. They love, they, 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 they go to church. They ask me questions. I baptize them. I gave them first communion. It keeps it going. Should I be challenging more? Should I be saying, you know, you really, we really should do this? We, you know, you really should be getting married in the church? Maybe I should. Maybe shame on me. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. They all know where I stand. Sure. But it, now some people mm. have made the hard line decision. Some Catholics have said, I am not going. I am never going. And not only that, but I'm not going to your house. And it has caused huge, and maybe that's what Christ means when, hey, I'm going to separate, you know, mother from child and family. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to insult the people that have made the sacrifice. That they say, like this woman says, it would be a sin for me to go. Uh, you know, I'm not leaving Jesus or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I'm being a little liberal on this. I'm not a liberal priest, 
I'm not saying it's okay to get married outside the church, but when it comes to do you go or not, man, mm-hmm. that you've got to discern that. There's got to, you got to weigh out the pros and the cons. I'm going to get fired for this. Some people are going to be mad at me because of my stance on either side of it. But you do remember too, so the, the golden rule is love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what being a Christian is, right? Yeah, but sometimes truly loving somebody is telling them the truth even if they don't want to hear it. Sometimes tough love is loving thy so neighbor. So let's, yeah. un- let's unpack that. Yeah, but I think evangelization catechesis is more important than saying, no, you're living in sin, you're not married, it should be my, you know what, can we, can we really talk about this? And it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's, it it's not, you know? So I, I don't know what the proper thing is. I have another wedding coming up. They're not getting married in the church. Kills my soul. Um, am I going to not go and cause a huge thing? I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't wear my collar. I don't go looking like the church approves of it. I, I go sometimes in a tie. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I, I, I don't do any of the prayers. I don't do a blessing. You know, so I go and I understand I'm a priest always, but I don't do anything that makes it seem like the church is okay with it. And to clarify, you're going as a guest. I go as a guest and I try to be there for my family who I love very much, who has always been there for me. And then hopefully there'll be a conversation down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my cousins I have married in the church and it was beautiful some of my cousins, I haven't. I wish I did, but that's their journey. And who knows, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll uh, convalidate their marriage. It's true, so, because it, just because you're married in the state first doesn't mean that you can't receive the, the sacrament of marriage later, right? Yeah, just because you're in the state, yes, you can get it. You can be married in the church later. I've known, uh, I knew somebody, they were married for 25 years, married outside of the church, and then they got married in the church. So it's it's not too late. Your marriage can be convalidated. And I highly, highly recommend that it is. So with one of your cousins that got married outside of the church, you attended as a guest? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just a guest in I'm I'm just a guy in a tie. Right, yep. I don't right. I don't wear my collar. I don't say a prayer. I don't do the blessing. Not even at the reception. I'm just a guest. Okay. Right. So your cousin Paul, not father paul cousin yeah exactly yeah and i know some people say no you're father paul everywhere it doesn't matter you know what this is what i have decided to do for now there's things i don't do and there's things that i do do mm-hmm. yeah and as a as a priest how'd that make you feel that you weren't even asked to to you know to have them i just said of course yeah. i would love to do it i love them sure. yeah. and it doesn't have to be me i just wish it was in the church but I, I, that's where they're at. I, I mean, yeah, of course it bothers me. They know that, but we don't even get into a fight about it because it's not about me. Sure. You know what I mean? So I used to be much more vocal about it back in the day than I am right now. So. I think that was a great question. Hopefully it was a good answer. Yeah, it was okay. Um, next question. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um, Wow. How do you turn? This is a great question. How does a non-believer... Let's put a little bit closer to your lips. Any more closer, I'm going to... Okay. Um, how does a non-believer become a believer? 
and we're talking about the Catholic faith. The first thing that's coming into my mind. So let me just let me just say this question is from. I don't know if they want you to tell yeah, them yeah, your don't name. Don't say who you these know people what? are. You know what? He actually signed it. Thank you, Craig E. All right, with you. Okay. Okay. But there's more to that question, though, isn't there? So there is more to the question. So there's a bit of a preamble. I think this person asks many questions, so I I would give this person a couple of their questions. So so there's a preamble to that. And so what it is is what do you say to a person that wants so badly to have faith in God but does not or does not even know how to? In other words... How does a non-believer become a believer? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I think the first thing that we have to realize to this person uh, is that faith is a gift. It is a gift that God very much wants to give us. So if this person really, really wants to believe, it doesn't start by him just all of a sudden getting it or achieving it it's a gift that he needs to ask for and there may be many different reasons psychological sociological whatever reasons why this person is struggling with believing but i truly believe that if he really wants the gift of faith the lord's going to give it to him but he has to be persistent about it you know what i mean and also Hmm. a prayer life like i would say 100 percent, even to an amateur Go in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Go to Eucharistic Adoration. Sit down and spend time in the presence of Christ. You spend time in Eucharistic Adoration, even once a week, I'm telling you there's no way that the Lord's not bringing you to him. So, but I would recommend prayer, but asking. How does an unbeliever believe? Ask a lot of questions. Do research. So... You know, when I when I wasn't sure, I had so many questions, bro. I had so many questions. I asked so many questions. I listened to talks. I read books. I did research. But the number one thing that helped was prayer. The number one thing that helped was showing up, so going to church, to going your, to adoration. To your point, do you think people that are non-believers that want to believe, do you think that they're they're on a high in life, or do you think that they're sacrifice they're struggling through something? And they they want to they need help and they and they don't know where to turn. So do you think that you know people that want to explore Christ or faith to have faith in something? Do you think that they're they're struggling and they need they need to affixate their some themselves to something to help them get through that time? Because I feel like you know if if life is good, you know why are you gonna you know and to, you know, and, and I hate to say this but if, why would you like life is good you're just going to continue on but if you're actually going through something and you're struggling you you need help and you don't know where to turn and so like are you, you saying like is is faith just for people that that are having a hard time like as long as like things are going great they don't need god or faith that's it yeah yeah but i don't i don't that's not my experience because there i know people that are very well off and that have a very very intimate deep relationship with god that are very devout catholics so you know that's Karl marx the the grandfather of atheism he said that that religion is the opium of the masses that it's something that that we just use to make us feel better so a crutch to hold on to when we're going through something 
And although, yes, it is there for us when we are going through something, without a doubt, bro, let's be real. Let's be 100 right now, 1,000, whatever. If I did not go through serious crises in my life, I would not be a faithful Catholic or yeah, Christian. because you yourself, you were... You but were, that's not everybody's you found, experience. You found Jesus and, and God I had nowhere else to turn to, you had mm-hmm. You didn't have... A, yeah, so if your life was good in your circumstances, do you think you'd be a priest? If you didn't have those struggles as Me a Me personally? Yeah. No way, bro. But I know right. people so that's, that, that have had so a that's good... So that's my... That's kind of... That's the question I was I don't asking think originally. It's only, yes. I think that suffering can bring people closer. Yes. 100%, bro. And, and there's always a cross in everybody's life. Yes. But I also know people that have been cradle Catholics. They were just raised that way, and they just love the Lord. They didn't go through, like, some huge trauma, or they don't have, like, some right. hardcore testimony. But they were not non-believers. Yeah, they, be- they were believers from they, birth. They believed yeah. they're from birth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the, the question, I think, is, like, how do you turn a non-believer into a believer? But do you think that most non-believers have to be at a low before What's they can the expression bro uh, back in like what, what was it world war Two of vietnam there's no atheists in foxholes you know what i'm yeah. saying there's no atheists in foxholes bro during a war those guys are praying you know what i mean so yeah crisis horror it definitely helps people come to the lord 100 yeah. yeah. percent i don't think the lord delights in that I don't want this guy who's asking to go through a horrendous time to just start believing because I think that the Lord will give him the belief even if he's not going through a crisis. So I see what you're saying. I agree with it. And I don't think it's either or. Mm. I think it's both end. Mm-hmm. So I think it's um, just to add to it, you know, I- a lot of times it is common for people to come to the Lord when they're going through something. But we also have to remember to rejoice in his praises when everything's going right. And you have to be able to thank God and be grateful to God when things are going well for you. Is that correct to say? Yeah, 100%. It's easier to be close when things are going wrong. Yes. But to be grateful on a daily basis, we still have to pray, whether it's raining outside or whether it, the sun is shining. Whether there's rainbows or there's nothing but freaking, you know, uh, darkness. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to give the Lord thanks for the good times, be grateful, and we need to take refuge in him in the bad times. We need we are called to be the light of the world, you know, regardless of, of the storm that's going through. But, yeah, the storm helped me. I wouldn't be where I am without suffering. Not at all. Not at all. And so who did you turn to when you were suffering? I turned to the church. I turned to Christ. I turned to God. Who specifically, though? Who was that? Who was your first touch point? Um, there were a couple, but a main, main, main one was uh, now he's Monsignor Paul Bocchicchio. Uh, then he was Father Paul. I hear you're breathing, by the way. But anyway, um, and uh, right here, Our Lady of My Virgin of Garfield, man. I, I turned to, the, to God in the church for the first time in a long time. Uh, also, um, there was a priest at my high school named Father Mike Jolie. I went to him. And also to Justin Fatika. So I would say those three. Justin Fatika, Father Mike Jolie, and, and Monsignor Paul Bocchicchio. 100%. Yeah. I was going through it, man. When I was 19, it was the darkest time in, in, my, whole, in, in my whole entire life. That was out of high school. And um, if I didn't have severe panic attacks, agoraphobia, and depression, 
I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. I don't think so. But. Okay, I think we should. Um, that was a good answer to that question. Yeah, that was a good answer. So why don't we go to the next question? Sure. This so other guy, though, he has more? No, that was it. Oh, really? Okay, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else because somebody told me with the person that that name that he, he they submitted several questions, but maybe I'm wrong. No. Um, so this this next question is referring back to a previous podcast episode. You guys hot. I am like dying hot in here. Um, dur- All right. Okay. Let's go to this question. During the interview with the Lego Church Project. Oh, wow. Yep. That goes back quite a while, right? No, nah, just like a month ago, a month few, and a half. A few episodes ago. Yeah. What is something about what he does that stands out, such as the buildings or the meaning behind it? Did he ask this question? Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, man. He asked the question about... All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put him on the spot He's like that. He's plugging himself. All right. So what? what's the question he wants to know? Who's this? I'm sorry. The Lego Church What is something guy. about what he does that stands out, such as the buildings and the meaning behind it? Um, I kind of was fascinated with... The, 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 the massive size and scale that he builds these churches and that he even does the interior. You know what I'm saying? This guy, he has a disability. You know, he's a person with disabilities and, you know, uh, he uses his talents in ways to, to, to serve God, to serve the church. I mean, who's building massive Lego churches and putting them on, on display? You know what I mean? There's people that are like obsessed with Legos. I, I didn't grow up like that or whatever. But I think that what he's good. I wouldn't have had him on the on the show if I didn't think what he was doing was cool. All right. So. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that. So go back and listen to the episode about the uh, the Lego Church project. Did you guys see me take a pill yet? I got to take a, a medicine, but I can't find it. Did I take a pill during this I didn't episode? See you do it. Here it is. It's right here. That's all. Look at my pill. Bada bing. So. Um, all right. So I. You know what? There's a, here's a good one. You know. Pro-life. Here's a very good one here. Okay, so do we do we have to vote pro-life as a Catholic, even when there is is other important? Okay, I'm gonna start over because I don't know what you were doing there. I want to make sure it's still recording. Ah, salute. A holy mess. Now, um, truly, uh, he's got uh, you know. He don't just, he just feed on my oh, fungal. <laughs> Listen, he just put batteries uh, from the dollar store in this uh, remote here that I'm talking through here. This my oh, Did it's you called say a, fungal. It's this? called Is a microphone. Like a, all right. Well, that's allowed. I mean, all right, that's, that's not the right. other word. Okay, it's not English. Pasta fazool. Some people don't. Pasta fazool. <laughs> some people don't even know what that means. <laughs> I I really don't. I, I'm assuming it's the F word in Italian or something. Absolutely not. Oh, I right. would never. I would never curse. All right, come on. But I also now, want, you have some questions of your own, which yeah. I think are good. But yeah, uh, yeah let's but go to somebody. This, this is a good yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing on time? Because I'm getting tired. This this is the <laughs> podcast life, bro. No, this is great. But I think it's good if you guys switch it up. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. As a Catholic, oh my God, can I answer the question? Can I ask the question now? Yeah, hurry well, up already. Cool. Do we have to vote pro-life? Even when there is other important issues to be considered. Um, okay, well, that's a question. That's a good question. So, do we have to? Well, by the way, I do think we should at least answer the questions that they because I've been begging people yeah. for questions. So, 
Uh, do we have to vote pro-life even though there's other things to be considered? I think what they're trying to say is, do we have to, do we have to vote anti-abortion? Because pro-life is not just abortion. Pro-life is not just anti-abortion. So, but yeah, my, my, yes. I mean, here's the thing, man. There are more issues than abortion. There are, okay? There, there are. And those are other life issues. But abortion comes down to literally ripping, murdering, destroying an innocent life that is alive in the womb. So if we don't get that right, how could we, how could we vote for anything else? How could we say, you know what? I'm going to vote for the guy that's pro-choice or pro-abortion because you're not pro-choice. If you're pro-choice, you're pro-abortion, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You are because that's what the choice is, all right? So you, you know what? He's, he's pro-abortion, but he's really good with the homeless and immigration, and those are life issues too. I'm sorry, but if you're not letting a child live, how are you caring about the guy who doesn't have any food outside? We have to care for both. It's not both. And a lot of pro-life Catholics are really just anti-abortion, and they don't go and they don't help these poor people. They don't help the immigrants. They don't help the homeless people. They don't help the elderly. So we need to be more than anti-abortion. But no, I don't think that you could ever, ever vote for a candidate who supports abortion. Ever. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Not, and people say, oh, okay, Donald Trump, right? They say, Donald Trump, all right, his stance was anti-abortion. His stance was pro-life. But he's a psychopath or he's a sociopath or whatever. Oh, and I'm not saying those things aren't true. Whatever. He's a narcissist. Whatever. He's a bully. Okay. All right. But look what he did for the freaking laws in America because of his... Uh, nominees of the Supreme Court justices, Roe versus Wade is overturned. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So people could talk the talk and then people walk the walk. I'm not canonizing this one guy. Obviously, the guy's got mad issues. He's not the Pope. <laughs> but I'm going to support the guy who's going to legally defend a child in the womb. So yes, the question, what was specifically the question? Can, do you have to vote that way? Yes. I mean, look, follow the USCCB's teaching. Go, you know, check out what the Vatican has to say about the issue, the official Vatican documents. Check out the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, their voting guide and everything like that. But you're asking me, Paul Hulis, Father Paul Hulis, you can never vote for a pro-choice candidate. Never. That was a good question. And a good answer. Hey, and look, there's pro-life Democrats too. So it's not just a Republican thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There are. There are, I follow an Instagram page of pro-life Democrats. So it's not just like only Republicans are pro-life and only, you know what I mean? I get it. Now, you know, there's a new batch of like, you know, these people in the Democratic Party that are freaking out of their mind or whatever. But you also have people that are out of their mind on the Republican side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Neither party has a right. Yeah. Neither party is the Catholic answer. The no. Republican Party is not the Catholic Party. You know what I mean? It just so happens that many of the issues that the conservatives are conservative about are what we believe. We don't believe in same-sex marriage, right? The Democrats will allow it. A lot of Republicans, they don't. 
It's not because they're Republican that we believe it. It's because this is just a, an issue, a human issue that the church has always stood with. So that's where I go with it. You know, okay. you ain't going to see me vote blue anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Here's a good question. Do you enjoy attending mass or saying mass more and why? Oh, I enjoy celebrating mass more 100%. I mean, there's some times that I'm lazy and if I'm on vacation or something like that, like I'll go to mass, you know, I'm not even if I'm lazy, but I'll attend mass, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, I have my moments where I'd rather just be in the congregation, but it's, it's, you know, I, I love celebrating mass 100%, especially if my prayer life is good and it's not just like a routine. It's not just like, all right, yeah, I got to do this because that, that without a prayer life, that's what it could be. But, you know, to celebrate mass that's unbelievable. There's nothing, nothing that comes close to it. Nothing ever. It's amazing. <clears throat> that was a good answer. Um, tell us more about your stand-up career. Is it true that you once opened for Chris Rock? Oh my gosh! Who asked this question? Lord have mercy. Uh, so I, the first time I ever did stand-up comedy, I was 14 years old. You okay. want to know who answered? You want to know who asked it? Yeah, Laura Pacella. Laura Pacella. Laura Pacella. LP. LP, big L. That's uh, Cheryl's sister, by the way. So, uh, yeah, so ju that's Justin Fatigue. So, I've been doing stand up comedy ever since I was 14, all right, on and off. And uh, when I was 18 years old, I was taking it very seriously. I was in New York City almost every single day. I was doing comedy at Stand Up New York, okay? That's a comedy club in New York, and I think the Upper East Side. And when I got off stage at one of these like amateur shows, Chris Rock got on stage after me. So Chris Rock showed up and he did time, right? He did a set. So I told some friends that, you know, oh my gosh, I got off stage. Chris Rock went on stage. So Justin Fatika starts telling people that I opened for Chris Rock. Chris Rock, you ask him, you know, did Paul who was open for you? He'll say, I don't know who, who is that? <laughs> That's what he'll say. Tony Rock knows who I am. But Chris Ray, his brother, Tony. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, that was my dream, to be a stand-up comic. I, it was my absolute dream. That's what I wanted to do. It's what I wanted to do. It's what I wanted to do. God had other plans. 9-11 changed a lot of that. I'm not going to get into that whole story right now. I completely gave that up. And then all of a sudden, about five, six years ago, a buddy of mine was doing a comedy show for his parish uh, in Cedar Grove. And I said, hey, you know what, man? I said, it's been a long time since I've done stand-up. You mind if I do a, a set? First time I did comedy in like over a decade. And I did it, and I loved it. And the, 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 the reaction from the parishioners was really well, really good. So I asked my pastor, St. Paul's and Ramsey, Father John Gabriel, could we do a comedy show here? So we put on a comedy show there, fundraiser for the parish. I got a headliner. We got you know Jimmy Palumbo, who you met. He opened up. I did the middle. I did about 27 minutes. Right, it went very, very well. So since then, I've had the opportunity to do stand-up comedy here and there as a Catholic priest. One of them was for your birthday party that was just like a month ago or whatever. I think I did like forty-five minutes or something like that. Yeah, it was three months ago. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. August. It was like six weeks ago. All right, but anyway, whatever. August so 20th. I do stand-up comedy from time to time. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a lot tougher than I ever thought it would be. A lot more stressful than I ever thought it would be. And a part of me is like, I should probably just never do it again because I get too worked up about it. But I enjoy doing it. 
So I killed that night at your party. But oh, that, it was great. But then yeah. I did 10 minutes like three weeks ago, and I bombed. Where was that? It was at this place in East Hanover, bro. They, I didn't bomb, but it, I, 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 was, I was supposed to do 10 minutes, bro. I walked off stage at 8. Was that in the church? It was No, it was for a, uh, an Elks. I remember you were telling us about that one at the feast, and you, we said, "Let us know when it is. We're gonna come." Yeah, I you didn't let I, us know. I didn't do well. Yeah, bro. you didn't tell me. I got did caught. You, did you know anyone there? No. no oh, that's person. why. That's why you bombed. See? No, it was. It wasn't. It, I I tried to take so much stuff and jam it into ten minutes, bro. It's too hard. It, yeah, I mean they like they bro they clapped at some stuff, but oh man, I I did not. But you have that's the thing, bro. Like you have to bomb sometimes. Yeah, you bro. have to. You got to strike out. Every you know what I mean? You can, yeah. Look so, at Aaron Judge. Yeah. Yeah. You, he doesn't hit a home run every every no, single time. He, Not even Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth also. He's got lots of strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, I'm no freaking Judge or Babe Ruth of comedy. No way. But, you know, so, yeah, I'd like to do it again. I like doing a lot of time. I don't like doing five, ten minutes. I get too nervous. But if I know I'm doing like 45 minutes an hour, it's a lot more stressful. Yeah, but did you do the Tai Chi communion bit? The Tai Chi or the coin purse? I, the the no, slot I, machine? I did some of them, yeah. Did, did you? Yeah, yeah, but not all. Not all, man. It did was you, sloppy, bro. Yeah. Did you do the WrestleMania bit? No. Ah, oh, see, that's Those why. Those are the best ones. Those oh, are the best thanks, ones. Man. Thanks. I'm getting tired, too. Just watch your foot, though. I don't want it to hit the record thing. Sure. So, how many more questions we got? Um, you know, I think we're all out of questions. There are and more, but... No, how many actual, like, from the emails, actual questions? Because... I really was asking for people yeah, to send know, them in. I, so. I think we hit most of the, uh, there the was juicy a, ones, you know? There's you some other. You can tap out for a second if you're tired, but I want to at least get to those ones. Okay, so there's a couple more about um, yoga. So this person likes to practice yoga. Oh, that's, that I, all right, this is, a very, this is a necessary question. Yeah, um, but not in the <laughs> sense to chant or pray Hindu to Hindu gods, just enjoying it as an exercise to relieve pains and aches. Um, is, this, is this okay to do yoga? Again, I don't know the official church's stance on yoga. Um, yoga, I believe, is inherently from some other religion, right? So I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I used to be black and white with it. I used to say, no, no yoga, all right? No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's okay to... I. Supposedly there are people that they do Christian yoga. They do, you know, they're praying the whole time. They do this and that, yada yada yada. I went away. It's not. I I, I did a medical leave of absence. Everybody knows this. There's no see. I asked for it after my brother died. All right. I was at this place. They were doing yoga. All right. They said it was a part of the program. I said I'm not doing it. This was not a Catholic place. This was not a Christian place. They said you have to do it. It's part. Of, I said I'm not doing yoga. I called somebody up. I'm not going to say who they were, but they're very, very high up in the food chain in the Archdiocese of Newark. And I said, listen, this is a part of the program, blah, 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 this and that. They said, just do the just stretch. Just do the stretch. Do the stretches. You don't have to, yeah. you know, you're not praying, chanting or whatever. So I went. I did the stretches. You know what I mean? I wasn't always comfortable with it. When they started to get a little weird with it, I reported something so i don't know man there's a lot of good catholics that do yoga so like mindfulness mindfulness is not it didn't come necessarily from catholicism i think it also came from buddhism but there's such thing as catholic mindfulness now so can there be catholic yoga i don't know one thing that i heard 
is that supposedly some of these positions of these yoga were, are in like these like positions of some Hindu deities or something like that. So I don't know about that. I don't want to mess around with that. But I, I'm not saying yes or no. Uh, I'm not, I don't claim to know every single answer here. Okay. You know, do I do yoga on a regular basis? No, I don't. I want to be at peace if I'm going to do something. Okay. So here's and, another. And it does show that, uh, you know, but yoga. So I've done yoga before. So it does show that I don't, that I don't <laughs> do yoga. That's true. That's true. It does. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Yo, so, what's this hot yoga? So, oh, it's great. So, so I did hot yoga and I, I, I picked it up when I was in uh, grad school. And it was one of the most transformative things. You know, I don't do it anymore. I should. And it shows. And it does. Uh, wow, clearly. That was good, yeah. Clearly it does. <laughs> but there's a inherent, how do you say, inner peace that comes with um, doing yoga. You're stretching. You know, you're increasing flexibility. It helps with calming the mind and spirit. You know, and you add in hot yoga on top of that, and now you're sweating like an animal. A complete animal. So I felt like Rocky when I was training, you know, doing my yoga. But it was just amazingly refreshing. You know, what? Well, can you just say some of the adjectives that you found in yoga again? If you, Can you just repeat? Calming. All right. Re- restoration. Okay. Stress relief. Yep. Detoxification. All right. Especially I, I with the hot bit. With great reverence and respect, I get those same exact things by spending an hour with the Blessed Sacrament and Eucharistic Adoration. I get peace. I get rejuvenation. I get... Yeah, but it's also exercise, right? Endorphin release. Okay. Blood right. flow to the brain. All right, so go so, to the gym. Pump some iron. Pump some iron. You don't need yoga Yeah, for but it. it... So I did vinyasa flow, and the yoga itself that was not... That totally sounds religious. So I did vinyasa... So it's basically a very active... Sounds that, like a demon. That wasn't very funny, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you comment right now if that was funny or not. So, um, <laughs> so I did vinyasa flow, and that was just like an active yoga. So it's like doing, you know, you're at the gym. It's like, you, but you're moving. You're moving through poses, as opposed to hatha yoga, where you're holding a pose for thirty seconds at a time. But so, but vinyasa flow is like, and then you're sweating. So like, but now when you calming. sweat, do certain stenches come from your pores? <laughs> it depends who it is. Um, <laughs> you? F- for He's me, asking you. Me, myself, and I, maybe a little, um, you know, Parmesan, but um, <laughs> a, a, a little bit of the. Uh, forget about it. Formaggio. What's the, not the pastrami, but what's that? Uh, Capricola? Not Capricola. What's the? Uh, what are you talking about? Brujut? You don't know. But with a P, uh, it's like a meat. Prosciutto. What are you prosciutto, talking yeah, about? Prosciutto, yeah. How can you not remember prosciutto? It's one of the most God's gifts. It's one of the best things on this earth. Is it with a B or a P? P. P. Then why are you singing prosciutto? Prosciutto. No, you said prosciutto. It. So the two best kinds of prosciutto. All right. Gabagool let's go back to. Spell. Let's go yeah. back to. Come on, we got to get back to the yoga. All right. But the two best types of prosciutto. Let me say before I go into the yoga. It's <laughs> San Daniele uh-huh, uh-huh. And Di Parma I prefer San Daniele Alright also Yeah beautiful What are your two favorite breads? Breads? Yeah You should I mean you should You tell me what your no, favorite no, no, bread is No 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 I don't I'm not saying this about <laughs> you I'm no. saying like You know a lot about Italian Like what are, what are some of your favorite breads? For galleys In Garfield Okay Best bread Yeah Double seeded semolina Double seated. <laughs> Double seated. Double seated, yeah. It's Where's beautiful. your favorite place to eat in Garfield? Uh, my house. 
Come on, bro. Where's your favorite place to eat? Outside of my house, uh, my my wife's cooking. Uh, that's also in our house, but you Give know. Give them a shout out already, would you please? Osteria. And. And. Bloods. Charlie Blood. I, I. That's why I don't even. What's Osteria? So. What did you shut up already? What are you phone? doing, man? It was telling me I was supposed to take my medicine like 15 minutes ago. What are you setting your nap alarm? I do. All right, so um, so right, no, but no, but questions? seriously, right, about the yoga. Seriously, yoga, yoga is you know, I and I didn't derive any spirituality from it at all, like in terms of religion or anything like that. You know, Did they so, talk about a third eye. Not with me. Yeah, it depends on the studio. Like, I don't if, get, you, you run away from that third eye stuff. If yeah, you're I going think. to like the Hindu, you know, the the real people that preach it, then. You know, that's not for a lot of people, especially Americans. But there's a lot of even people I know that come to come to see me, you know, women, of course. And they they do they do a lot of yoga. And, you know, it's not really spiritual based. Hoboken is very popular in Rutherford and these uh, grade eight, you know, class A towns. You know, they have hot yoga studios and there's Brickham Hot Yoga, which is a national chain at this point. They're in Rutherford. So, like, there's a... But let me just make a a little bit of a weak analogy, but I think an important one. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying that doing yoga is the same thing as playing with a Ouija board. But let me just say something, right? In terms of you said that people going to do the yoga, that they're not going for that. The religion's not even in their mind, right? So just because people's intention is not one thing doesn't necessarily mean that then it's okay to do, right? So a lot of people, they play with a Ouija board just because they think it's a game because Toys R Us sells it, you know what I'm saying? But playing with a Ouija board is dangerous stuff, whether your intention is good or bad. So I would say it doesn't matter what your intention is. Don't play with a Ouija board. You're going to go get your palm read, you know what I'm saying? You don't you don't even know anything about that it could be a portal to the demonic or having a séance that you want you don't even think about the devil but it doesn't mean that the devil's not acting you know what i mean so i'm not saying that yoga is the same exact thing because if i did then i would have never done it you know what i'm saying i'm not saying that i think there might be a place truly for yoga for catholics there might be but i think in and of itself the origins of yoga are from another religion that we just at least need to be able to, to have a conversation about and be careful about. That's all I'm saying. Are you it's, opposed to stretching? I'm not opposed to stretching. Stretching is yoga. But here's it's a, a little more than that. Here's another so, question. To so, go to. Uh, so you know what we're going to do this Friday night? We're going to go to a yoga class. It's not yoga. It's stretching at Brickham Hot Yoga. In, and we might die, you and I, by the way. Um, but we'll get through it. Bring a lot of water. You're gonna love. There's no. There's no mention of any chakras or spiritualities or anything like I, that. I understand. Yeah, you. you it's may be stretching. Like, but here's here's know. a question. Though. Traditional yoga versus modern day yoga. I'm not an is expert what, in this field. I'm not. So here's the thing, though. Even though, let's say, yoga is based on Buddhism, right? It. it I guess that's the gist, right? It's not based on a demonic uh, uh, worshiping the devil. It's just based on somebody else's religion who also praises God or their own God or whatever it is. Yeah. It's not inherently bad though. It's not yeah, a devil. That's worship. the thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, but people playing with a Ouija board, they're not worshiping the devil either. 
Well, I don't know yeah. what they're trying to do. No, I'm saying, like, I'm just like, so I don't know. This is a thing where, like, I don't, I'm not saying I have the right answer. Sure. But modern yoga is much different, especially the stuff they teach I, I in those mainstream I classes. I agree, because I have experienced yoga that was weird, and I have experienced yoga that seemed completely fine. Yeah. I'm just trying to be careful to be on both sides. Not like a politician. I just don't want to give anybody the bad answer. They, they, they're going to have to look into this and discern it for themselves. I was in a yoga class one time. And the lady started chanting, and it. I looked at my friend who was next to me. We looked at each other, and we were like, "What is this?" And we were, you know, it was one of those studios too, and we were like, "Man, this is a different instructor." So, we weren't we weren't on board with that because we obviously were not of that religion or whatever whatever it is, Hindu yeah, or yeah, yeah. so. So that was different, but. Nine times out of ten, you get, you don't get that. So, yeah. I don't have a definitive. You're getting my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, as Christians, as Catholics, we have to respect world religions. Yes. Um. Respect, respect but not yeah. participate. I mean, there's some insane stuff out there, like Scientology. That's not re- a religion. That's a cult. I don't respect Scientology. I don't think it's a religion. I'm talking about the I main the person that's the in main it. world religions like Judaism, Catholicism, Islam. We respect these other people. Well, they're people, yeah. yeah. But I don't have to agree with them. No. Respect and agree are two different things. You got to respect them, but you're not going to agree. Yeah, yeah, but not appro- yeah, not approve. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know what? I go ahead. Go do go to a temple. It doesn't matter. If you don't go to church, go to the temple. You're praying to the same God anyway. Forget about it. Go to the temple. Go ahead. Madonna me. You know? So, all right. How we doing? Did we at least get everybody's email? Honestly. Um, let me doing see. Right? Any, it's any, it's any just a lot things? of emails over here, but I think we hit a, a okay. lot of the good ones. The Here's juicy a good one. ones. In my opinion, Pope Francis has been unfairly judged and mis- misrepresented, even insulted by almost everyone. I pray every morning for his protection from the evil one. How should I respond to his slanders? Wow. Uh, hmm. That's a good question, man, because, uh, you know, I respect the office of the Pope. I do. Um, and I think he's a holier man than I am. And you're not going to hear me openly criticize Pope Francis uh, in the same way that some other people do. But I will say that there is a problem of clarity. And I think that sometimes, while yes, not everything is black and white, and there are areas of gray, I think that the Roman pontiff needs to be very clear on issues. So... If if what I'm saying is what this person thinks is an attack on him, that's I didn't say horrible words about the guy. No. Um, do I believe that this guy, like you know, with some of these people out there saying that he's not the real pope, or I don't believe that stuff. Right. How should she? Um, I think she should see both sides of the issue, both sides. You know what I mean? Um, how should she respond to them? How do we respond to anybody? We're supposed to respond with love and compassion and respect it's hard in today's age though and i'm pointing the fingers fingers many fingers at myself to be able to have a debate or a disagreement uh 
charitably. So you could disagree, you know, with each other. So I think that she should respond to these people charitably, but it's hard to do. And it's hard for me to do too uh, sometimes. But I think that people use the Pope for their agendas. And I think that whether you're conservative or liberal, sometimes we use the Pope for our own agenda. And I think that we all need to respect the office, but we should be able, we should be able, especially in the spirit of the synod that he's doing, to be able to ask questions and to ask for clear, concise, concrete answers. So there's a lot going on in the church right now. There's a lot of confusion. And there are leaders on both sides that some are liberal, some are conservative. And there are some extremely dangerous ideologies in the Catholic Church, especially within the leadership. And you and I should be able to talk about that without being criticized. If you have a problem with, a, with what a cardinal is saying because it doesn't fall in line with what the church teaches, you have every right to say something. There are, you know what I mean? There are, I, I don't want to get into specifics. I'm not talking about anyone here locally, but the whole, the church in Germany right now, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. So, but the Holy Spirit will triumph. So, yeah. That's true. Well, what do you think the biggest problem is? What, what, what specifically in Germany? Well, I, I mean, they, they, they want, like the marriage, they want to be able to bless homosexual unions. You know what I'm saying? They want to be able, like, they want the church to be able to bless two homosexuals by the church. That it can't happen. Mm-hmm. It just can't. So you know, and and I, 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 I is that part of synod that's coming? Yeah. Out? What do you think? The leading, synod on synodality. What do you think's leading that that push over there in Germany? But just look at our world. Is man. it grassroots? I, grassroots? You think like it's. You know the the home. Uh, the, yeah, I think it's our culture. I mean, I'm so, not. Yeah. I look, man. I'm not like in the the news every day with the church and stuff like that. And it's more than just Germany. It's in the United States too, but it's a reflection of our culture where we're at. And I think I honestly think people do not really truly understand the meaning and purpose of the human body and human sexuality. Even some cardinals are not even aware of the theology of the body. So, you know, I, I remember the first time I met Christopher West uh, and he gave this amazing talk and he said, dude, pray for the church. He goes, there are church leaders that don't even know about this teaching. So it's, um, it's a scary thing, man. But I, I, would, I would tell people to look into the theology of the body 100%. That's a great answer. You know? So um, another question. Um, Whenever somebody brings up the terrible sin of the church, I remind them that there are predators outside of the church as well, such as doctors. Well, I am very glad you're you're bringing this up. Go ahead. Such as doctors, teachers, coaches, Boy Scout leaders, biological you're talking fathers. Talking about pedophilia. There are predators yes. everywhere. All right. Even women that can harm children. Yes. Um, and they they remind her this person that what the priests have done, those priests have done, is a terrible sin, um, and. They were pred. What she answers with them with is that they were predators in sheep's clothing. What is well, your like a wolf in sheep's clothing? Uh, yeah. 
What is so my what? What's what is your question? opinion of that response? How, as Catholics, when somebody says, "How can you be a Catholic when with all this things going on in the church and the church kind of s- hit it for a while?" Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yep. People ask me as a Catholic, "What? How can you still be a Catholic after all that happened? What are we supposed to say?" Well, um, first of all, I think you already said some of the things and some of the things they said in there. Let me just start off by saying this. I don't think just because it's not a church problem doesn't mean that it's like, well, it's okay. There shouldn't be one church member, not one church member of the clergy or anybody that had ever done that. It's more than a sin. It's a crime against humanity. Jesus Christ said that anybody that leads one of these little ones into sin, that they are better off if a millstone were, were uh, roped around their neck and that they drowned in the sea, okay? So I'm not, you know, s- saying murder or anything like that for these people. I just say that there should be zero tolerance. Having said that, though, for somebody to say, well, how could you be a Catholic that, you know, there's been a problem of clergy with pedophilia? It's like, well, you know, then how ever be a part of a let your child or be a part of a sport team? How do you a part of a family? Because there are family members, there are uncles, there are parents that are abusing children. There are teachers that are abusing children. There are coaches that are abusing children. So it is not a Catholic priest problem. It is a human being problem. It is a sick, sick human being problem. Okay, so it is everywhere. But, and the church should be held to a very, very high standard, but also the spotlight is on us, and it should be, but you are not going to hear the statistics about pedophilia going on in the school or in athleticism. Maybe nowadays you hear more about it, or at least the Me Too movement, you know what I'm saying, or when it's convenient, because we just had an amazing movie that tried to highlight the whole uh, child sex slave thing, and the left didn't want to hear anything about it. There was a great movie that was highlighting the problem of child sex slavery. And people are like, well, you know, it's conservative. It's Trumpism. All they're, t- they're, they're trying to get rid of these pedophiles. So, but when it comes to the Catholic Church, then they're going to put it in the news. But you have children being sold all over the place and in the United States. And the media doesn't care. So it's not a kind of, They hate us, the media, because of our ch- stance on abortion and on same-sex marriage. And because they hate us because of that, they're gonna say, who are you to say anything about morality when there are priests that have molested children or bishops that have covered it up? The priests that have molested children and the bishops that covered it up, they should be not only no longer involved in the church, they should be in jail, in prison, okay? So there's zero tolerance for it. But it's not a church problem. And a lot of people, the biggest, the stupidest thing that people ever say to me, ever, is, well, don't you think that if priests were allowed to get married, it would really solve the pedophilia problem? And I'm like, are you an educated human being? Because your logic doesn't follow at all. You're telling me that because I'm not married to a woman, I'm going to think about abusing a little kid? That the sexual repression that, that, that I'm not having with a, a, an adult wife is gonna make me think of, no, 
It's a that that is a sick person problem. Yeah. It's not a sexual repression problem at all. Are, are you look at these people that are that are molesting children. How many of them are parents themselves? How many of them are married? I've I've helped out people that are in uh, groups and rehabs. You have all types of people. You have drug addicts. You have alcoholics. You have gambling addicts. And you have sex addicts, right? Now, there's a difference between a sex addict and a sex offender. Big difference between the addiction and the offense, right? And the, the actual abuse, okay? However, 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 a lot of people that are sex addicts or addicted to pornography are married, and they have kids. So how is getting married going to solve the pedophilia problem? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it, it doesn't represent the church. The this, 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 this statistic is so small. How could it possibly? And this, it shouldn't be at all. The smallness of it isn't like, oh, yeah, well, it's, it's small. Like we hear about it because they highlight that about us but that doesn't represent who we are i'm just as disgusted of those freaks than anybody else they don't represent me so i don't know i'm sorry i get yeah hyped up about it no but that's a, that's a great you know? answer to that question so i don't know if we should you know end the episode on that question but um i it's a good question then you got any other anything else and Hat. rent and rent and rent. No, that was great. That was great. Um, so uh, I'd like to uh, just thank you for lecturing us for the last uh, hour and a half. No, this was great. How does uh, it feel to number one criticizer? This guy. How does it feel to be one year into the podcast and ha- to have so much success in such a small amount of time? I and and I he's going to downplay it. Forget but about it. You have had a lot of success. You've had a lot of listeners. It's been great. I mean, I yeah, it's not where I want it to be, but that's my ego, all right? It hasn't blown up or anything like that, and that's fine um, because it shouldn't be about that. Uh, I got a video today. This is a great way to end this. Somebody sent me an idiot video on WhatsApp, another priest in the Archdiocese. They say, hey, Father, this is Father so-and-so. I want to introduce you to somebody else, and it was a person who works at their parish on Saturdays. They said, she was telling me about this podcast that she loves hosted by this priest named Father Paul Hulis. And I told her that I know you and that I'm going to make a video and send it to you right now. And she got on and she told me how much she loves the podcast and that she listens to all of it. That was a huge, huge thing for me. So yes, it is reaching people. It's been great. It's awesome. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Is it getting the exact reaction I want it? No, but you know, what are you going to do? Do you know that I was once asked... Oh, I saw that Father Paul Hulis, uh he, he gave you guys the sacrament of marriage. Is he, isn't he that priest from that podcast on Spotify? And I said, yes. So, wow. Yeah. Hey, I got to say, uh, one of the questions came in from Amsterdam today. No, it didn't. Another one came in from California. So there's a, there's a net that's being casted. Yeah. The, these Most of these questions are not from New Jersey, yeah. by the way. Did the, we the Garfield the Amsterdam one and all that? Yes. Well, we, I had to translate it from Amsterdamian to English. <laughs> <laughs> right, and maybe next time we start this, we shouldn't start at like 9, 9 p.m. So we're all exhausted. But listen, Tony. Yes. Cheryl. Yes. A salute. No, seriously. Yes, yes. I think you guys did an excellent, for never being on a podcast before, I think you did, did a great job. We couldn't have done this without you. 
thank you. You've been a great friends. You're yeah. excellent. Can we? You, you want to? Our s- life is sort of like a podcast. I think it's just you know it's been great. Yeah. I, I, we enjoyed our time here. I. Uh, you want to plug anything? Promote anything? Absolutely. For you guys? I'd love to. I'd love to plug. What would you like to plug? Hoboken Spine. Absolutely. All right. Well, we didn't say who you are. You know what I mean? Maybe we could get this guy some business. There was nothing. Uh, no, absolutely inappropriate. Not. Absolutely not. Doctor Tony Porter. Yeah, absolutely. Hoboken Spine. So I'm a chiropractor. Yes, and uh, we're this in Hoboken. This guy cracks spines for a living. We oh, adjust absolutely. Um, uh, adjusting attitudes and spines. No, right. I love you, brother. <laughs> All thank right. you uh, for having us. This was great. No, thank you for always inviting me into your home and for letting me to preside over your wedding. All right, let's go have a, a little snack before you leave, uh, a little uh, in Italian fashion before you know, and then we'll say goodbye five to fifteen thousand times before uh, before you actually leave the house. All right, let us know what you think of this episode. Share it, download it, review it, subscribe. Okay, goodbye, like, goodbye, peace. salute, God bless, bye, goodbye. Thank you for joining me for another episode of A Holy Mess Podcast. Please see the show notes in the description for this episode for more details and information about the topic and or the guest. You will find links and resources there to supplement this episode and help you along your messy but holy journey. Please also like, comment, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share all episodes. I want to thank Mike Mangione for providing me with the podcast theme song, Can You Love Me Falling, from his album, Red-Winged Blackbird Man. Finally, please note that while me, I, whatever the grammar is, Father Paul Hulis, while I am a priest for the Archdiocese of Newark, a holy mess with his holy mess podcast is not affiliated with the Archdiocese of Newark in any way, including fundraising efforts. This podcast is purely the personal hobby, product, and evangelization effort of Father Paul Hulis. Please join us again next time for another holy mess of an episode. Peace! Peace!